Hi, this is MC Lobster, the creator and host of the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. You have to get out of your comfort zone, right? If you're not getting out of your comfort zone, you're going to be stuck. And if you feel stuck, the one thing I would suggest is just do something that gets you out of your comfort zone. And by the time you know it, you're going to be making steps forward and you're going to have fun getting out of your comfort zone. This is Dream Chasers, episode 63 with Kyle Mitchell. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Adam Carswell, and welcome to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. On Dream Chasers, we interview individuals with supernatural amounts of potential based on early success in their careers. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get straight to the interview. Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, and today I'm joined by Kyle Mitchell. Kyle is the founder and managing principal of Limitless Estates and the host of Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. He's originally from Long Beach, California. Instead of going to college, he went straight into the golf industry, which I'm excited to learn about that a little bit today. Kyle now lives in Cerritos, California. Kyle, thank you for being on the show. And do you have any opening remarks for my listeners? I'm just excited to be on and and, uh, honored to be on your show. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for for coming on. We're excited to have you and and an honor as well. Guys, I first got connected with Kyle, I want to say earlier in 2019, we were introduced via email through another individual that I work with closely, basically on a daily basis, Hunter Thompson, host of the Cashflow Connections podcast and also managing principal of ASIM Capital. Um, Hunter was like, hey, you guys should should talk or get connected. I can't even really remember the exact details, but um, Kyle and I got introduced that way and I was able to make an appearance on his show. You know, for everyone listening, that was the first time that I think I had publicly spoken about retail real estate. So uh, I, I look at that interview, I've, to Kyle, I've listened to it a couple of times and it, it, it makes me like, uh, I, I hope it added value to your listeners. But when I listen to it, I get so nervous because I'm like, oh man, I even know so much more now than I did when, when I was talking to you. So uh, that's a little history on, on me and Kyle. I think we did that interview back in April or so and uh, we're back here in late July, early August doing this one. Yeah, and I would add that you did add a ton of value to our guests and and, or in our listeners, and they love that episode. So I I wouldn't worry too much about that one. Okay, I uh, I was that borderline straight A student, so I've always just been. uh, I think you're similar in a way, kind of tough on yourself just to make sure you're hitting perfection as often as possible. Yep, I know all about that for sure. (laughs) Especially, um, I'd say especially coming from the golf industry. So uh, I got to know Kyle, what brought you into the golf? realm and how did that tie into you transitioning out to being a podcast host and, and then also a real estate professional? Yeah, so uh, I started playing golf just before high school and you know I played every sport kind of growing up and once I started playing golf, which I got through my dad, uh, I just fell in love with it. And so I started I quit every other sport that I had played. I played baseball, basketball, soccer, you name it. And I just dropped all those sports to, to focus on golf and uh, quickly was on the varsity golf team at my high school and turned pro right after that and uh, tried that route for a couple of years. It's definitely difficult to be a professional golfer. The uh, barrier to entry is just, it's so high. And so I did that for a couple of years. I really loved it. I just didn't have enough talent to get to that next level. And I did not have the sponsorship, which was the biggest thing. I didn't have the funds to kind of continue my career in uh, professional sports. So uh, from there, I just uh, naturally got a a job out of uh, high school at a golf course and worked part-time while I was playing professionally and slowly just started to get promotions. And I had always planned on going back to school 
But uh, promotion after promotion after promotion led me to a point where I was a regional manager for this company in a pretty quick fashion and kind of never looked back. So a lot of the things I did for that golf management company are things that I implement in my real estate company today. You know, you can liken our our company in the golf industry as a third-party property management company in real estate. So municipalities hire golf management companies like ours um, to come in and manage their golf courses, much like real estate investors hire third-party property management companies to come in and manage their properties. So, you know, I had uh, I had grown up learning about how a business works, how to grow revenue, how to control expenses, and how to manage people, which I think is one thing that I do really well and is a focus of mine is in the strength and really translate well to real estate because you do have to manage a lot of different people, whether it be investors or the property management company or the residents themselves. So, you know, I was in the golf industry for about 20 years and uh, 15 as a manager, oversaw about $20 million in revenue, over 250 employees. And, uh, at a certain point, I just, I wanted to grow my wealth and it wasn't going to be from that company, unfortunately. So started looking into different avenues and found real estate. You know, back in high school, I invested in some in some stocks and I lost my money immediately. And I, I did not like the control or not having the control and the loss of control when you invested in the stock market. So real estate was definitely something that fit the bill for me. I started investing in single family homes back in 2013. Um, and quickly realized that it's difficult to scale with single family homes. So I started listening to some podcasts, searching on the internet, looking for mentorship programs. And that's when I found multifamily syndication, probably about 10, 11 months after finding it, uh, learning about it, educating myself and diving in, I left my full-time job uh, to pursue this full-time. Wow. And I have to say, Kyle, from a podcaster to a podcaster, maybe that's why you did so well with it just now. But that was one of the best responses to uh, that the question I just asked. I think I could have possibly asked for You answered throughout the, your response, maybe like three more questions I was going to ask. So thank you. The other thing that came to mind, and I'm trying to jog my memory now because there was one, it'll come back to me. But uh, the other thing is how long have you been operating Limitless Estates? And then also the podcast as well. Yeah. So Limitless Estates it has been around for about 19 months now. So going on two years and the first 12 months, we just spent really educating ourselves and building up our investor network. We weren't really making any offers or actually trying to acquire multifamily assets until we felt fully educated and had the investor base uh, that we do now. Uh, as far as the podcast, we started that earlier this year, just a few months ago, actually. So I think March 1st was our launch date. We launched 31 straight episodes, and now we're once a week. All right, Kyle, I want to focus on the podcast with this question. We're going to step into the next level chamber now. When did you realize that your podcast was something you wanted to take to the next level? So I just recently, actually, because we just launched it, right? I think last year in October, so probably eight or nine months ago, we realized that we wanted to start a podcast. And one thing that I do a couple times a year with my wife is we try and get out of our comfort zone. You know, 
and we want to try being comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense. And so we just knew that there was a next step and we had to do something and whether it was a blog or we already had our meetups that we were hosting. So we just said, let's go for it. We were at a, a conference out in Denver and they said, you've got to start a podcast. So I said, okay, that's going to be the next thing that we do to get out of our comfort zone. So we, we started planning in that last December. After about, we were at about 50 episodes now, but about halfway in, I just realized that this was a platform that we really enjoyed. We really got connected with people that we want to be connected with in the industry and just knew it was a medium that would really benefit us. So now we're taking it even more seriously and really trying to focus to add as much value as possible to the listeners. And you said you were in Denver. Was that by chance um, a Joe Fairless event? It was not. It was the Raising Money Summit, um, which Adam Adams uh, puts on. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm going to be on his his show here soon. Any any special message to uh, Adam? Well, actually, he's coming out in August to, to speak at a couple of our meetups that we have out here. We've got a chapter that uh, has eight chapters, and uh, we're about to expand nationwide. So he's actually coming out here in August to, uh, to speak at some of those. And then his Raising Money Summit is actually in October again this year. And uh, I'll be attending that. So he's a great guy. He's doing some big things. And uh, if you haven't listened to him, I would definitely check him out. Yeah. And it seems like this podcasting platform is, it is the, a medium. It is the platform that you need to have if you really want to be a thought leader in this industry and in pretty much any industry, I'd say at, at this point as well. So what are some of the visions and ideas that you and Lalita, your your wife now, have in mind for Limitless Estates, for your show as well. Are you guys getting ready to perhaps do some major conferences of your own? We So we're part of a bigger group called multifamilymasters.com and that's our meetup group. And originally we started that about a year and a half ago. Uh, a guy by the name of Powell Chi started his first chapter out in the South Bay down here and uh, quickly asked a couple other people, including myself, to add more chapters. And we're at the point now where I think we're at nine or 10 chapters now. We've got another one out of state in Phoenix and in Baltimore, and we're launching nationwide. So we actually had our first annual uh, event this May, so a few months ago, uh, which ended up having about 120 people, which is a fantastic turnout for our first event. And we're focused on having a larger annual event uh, next year. Cool. And also with with passive income through multifamily real estate, I have to say that you guys have done a very good, as I've said already, you've done a great job taking off the runway quick. I think you had, you shared with me this before, maybe 30 episodes out within the first 30 days or or something like that. Um, What have you guys, what do you believe that you've done to differentiate yourself from other shows and especially multifamily shows? Because you know, there are just so many out there Again, I can say from observing what you guys are doing is very special. I believe you stand out. But what do you think your secret sauce is? Modeling after others, to be honest. And, um, you know, I I think a lot of people say they don't want to copy other people. But I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. And he's really big about modeling from others and learning from their mistakes. so You don't have to go back and make those. And so really what happened, it was kind of by luck. You know, I was at Adam's event uh, last year at the Raising Money Summit. And then he actually had a podcast that I listened to on how to launch a podcast. a a podcast. And so I just took down the notes, wrote down the notes, and I followed it from A to Z. So I think it's definitely we had a plan, right? It wasn't like we were just launching and we were going to figure it out as we went. In December, we spent a whole month talking about and when I say we, it's my wife and I, Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about what we would focus on, what the structure would be, you know, when it would launch all these things. And so by January first, we had a plan laid out written down in paper and due dates for all those. 
And we started recording in January and we wanted to do 31 straight days because we wanted to get some traction, make sure people knew we were out there and, and listeners and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we promoted it heavily on um, all the social media channels and to our uh, email database. And so it was just planned out and we modeled after someone who had already done a, a podcast who went back and said, if I had to do it over, these are the things that I would do to get more traction. And it's worked really well. Yeah. And speaking of learning from others' mistakes, what's a, a piece of advice that you would give to someone who maybe hasn't started their own show yet? That's a mistake that you've, you've had to go through that you've experienced where you're like, oh man, you know, I didn't, I didn't see this one coming. I think that it's still happening right now and I'm really trying to get over it, which is editing, <laughs> editing my own, um, my own podcast. You know, it obviously costs money to do that. And, you know, podcasts don't generate revenue directly. And so it's just an added expense. Right now, I'm doing all the editing from it from beginning to end and doing all the social media stuff. So we're looking currently for a company to take that over and edit our podcast, post it on social media, do the show notes and things like that. And I think that, you know, you've got to really sit back and understand what your value is. And should I be typing these up and, and editing this here and this there? Is that the best use of your time? And so I think that's been the biggest mistake is I've done it a little bit too long. I think it's okay to do it when you're first starting so that you can understand the process of what has to happen from start to finish on your podcast. So when you're training someone, you can train them efficiently. I think at a certain point, it's time to hand over the reins. And that's one thing that I'm working on right now. Yeah, I can I can totally relate to you in that regard. It's something that I've, I don't know if struggle is the right word with, but something that I've dealt with, especially being in a the formative years of my career, you know, I'm 28, we talked a little bit before the call about what I'm working on. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I think I could go get a service to help make my show uh, what you would consider top notch execution wise from posting and recording, editing, etc. That's going to cost me, I think, at least around $300 an episode. You add that up four times a uh, four times a month. I don't I got $1,200 to throw around like that right now. Um, and I think similar to you, I enjoy editing my episodes to a certain extent. And it's something I've been doing for a while. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's relatable. And there, there's got to be some point where you make that transition. And I personally haven't found it yet. But do you feel like for you, maybe it is like right around the corner? It's soon. It's not today or in the next week or so, but we're we're definitely shopping around to talk to different companies. And you know, I found a couple companies that are like you said between that one hundred and three hundred dollars per episode. Which you know, if you do weekly, that's it can get up there. So you know, we may go a route of where we're going to try and hire a, a virtual assistant who's done it before that may be a little bit cheaper per episode. But we're definitely testing it out. And my goal is in the next sixty days that we'll have someone doing that for us. Right on. We want to give some show some love to uh, Lolita as well, your co-host, your wife. You guys just got married. I mean, what has your world and life been like going through, you know, running a business, doing the podcast, getting married? You know, she's got her probably her uh, job as well. What was that like? And, and how does it feel to know that you can kind of exhale now? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey for sure. And I think at first when it started, the one thing that we did right was we aligned our goals before we started, right? So we knew that real estate was going to be our vehicle to get us to where we wanted to be. We knew that uh, eventually I would leave my job first. So all these things were kind of written out and we, uh, we aligned our goals. So I think that's the number one thing to take into consideration. If you are going to have a partner or a significant other that you're working with, make sure you align your goals 
before because you can't really do it after. If there's any bumping of heads during, and it's a lot more difficult. It's definitely been a process to work with your significant other. And she does have another full-time job. And now that I do this full-time, I take the bulk of the work. It's certainly a, a work in progress. And you've got to find that fine line between it's time to work and it's time to, you know, be a husband and wife to one another and be able to spend that quality time. So it's been a cool transition to see because we've gotten pretty good at it and we still have some things to work on. Now that we're married, it's it's a great thing and, and we're focused on our future and really building that. So it, it's great. This is kind of a lovey-dovey question, but was there any defining moment in working with her where you, you guys kind of both looked at each other and you're like, man, I, I love you. I love you. I think that happened before, and that's why we decided to start the business together. You know, we just have a lot of the same goals, a lot of the same values, and it just worked out perfectly. And I think that's when we said, okay, I I think we should start a business together and work on building our life together. I I think that was the moment that was really cool, and it happened before we started um, this company. Awesome. All right, Kyle, I have three fun questions for our listeners today to feel like they got to know Kyle Mitchell on another level. The first one is because you said you're a Long Beach native. I got to know, what was your favorite thing about growing up in Long Beach, California? Second question is, what golf club has brought you the most fortune or luck throughout your career? I got to know. And then number three is, who has your favorite guest on your show been so far? And and please, you know, by no means, we'll stay away from answering me. It probably wasn't me anyway, but... (laughs) No pressure on that one. Yeah. So my first answer may be a little boring, but being in Long Beach, California, being a golfer, the weather was always the best for me, right? So I can pretty much play golf 365 days a year out here, whereas in other markets, that's just difficult to do. So definitely my favorite thing about growing up in Long Beach is weather. Uh, What golf club has brought me the most fortune or luck is my wedges. Uh, I had a great short game and uh, it was one of those things that really allowed me to play at the level that I did for so long. Unfortunately, my long game was not great. And uh, that was my downfall. But uh, I could always rely on my wedges around the greens to kind of get up and down. So uh, and then my favorite podcast guest so far, this is a tough one, because we've interviewed so many guests over the last two months. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. over 50 episodes now. And it's been a pleasure interviewing so many different great people in the industry. But uh, one of the most recent interviews was with Neil Bawa. And I'm a big fan of his because he uses technology and data to make his decisions on his investments. And so he takes a lot of emotion out of choosing a market and choosing a an asset to go purchase where I think a lot of people do still have that emotional aspect when they're buying. And so if you can take that emotional aspect out and use the data that you know is speaking to you, Really, it takes a little bit of extra work. You know, you've got to dig deep and you've got to go research a little bit more. But it really shows how using data can make your investments. You know, he he says going from a regular investor to an elite investor. And I truly believe that if you start to use data to your advantage the way he does uh, at that high of a level, you can really become an elite investor pretty quickly. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to want to throw some kudos Neil's way as well right now. Funny enough, I actually just connected with him for the first time. Uh, we had a brief call yesterday. We're looking at uh, looking at working on some things together. And for me, that was just so exciting <laughs> to know that Neil Bawa at first was the one reaching out to me. I'm like, wow, I, I must be doing something right with this podcasting thing. So I feel like you're probably in a, you can probably relate to a certain respect. Yeah, he's he's an amazing guy and a uh, hard worker. And uh, if, if anyone hasn't started following him, I, I certainly would. He gives away a ton of free value and uh, I would take advantage of it. 
Right. And I'd say uh, you just mentioned it right there, education wise. That's um, are you taking any of his courses or in any of his groups? So I have not taken any of his courses yet. I know a lot of people that have, and I'm certainly considering it. I've talked to Neil on several occasions. He's spoken at our meetup groups out here as well. He's spoken twice. So a lot of the things that he covers in his classes, he's covered uh, at our meetup groups. However, he says that's about a tenth of a percent of what he goes into. So if there was anyone out there that I definitely want to take their, their course, it would be Neil's. Cool. There we go, Neil. Some free advertising for you. Um, <laughs> Kyle, this, is, this has been so much fun. Real quick. Uh, what's the best way for anyone listening to follow up with you, get in touch, and then maybe also you know subscribe to your show or, or check it out? Yeah, awesome. Thanks for that. So our uh, our podcast is Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. And we'd love to have you listening and uh, subscribe to the show. Uh, as far as getting in contact with me, you can either give me a call at 562-833-5010 or email me at kmitchell at limitless-estates.com. There you go, guys. You heard it right here. Kyle, thanks one more time. Any any closing remarks for our listeners? Uh, you know, on all these podcasts that I've been on, I've been saying the same thing, and I really believe it. It's just that you have to get out of your comfort zone, right? If you're not getting out of your comfort zone, you're going to be stuck. And if you feel stuck, the one thing I would suggest is just do something that gets you out of your comfort zone. And by the time you know it, you're going to be making steps forward, and you're going to have fun getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, so it's, it's been something that's been a huge benefit for myself and my wife, and we continue to do it. And like I said earlier, we now look three or four times a year to do something that gets us out of our comfort zone. And it's been very beneficial for us. That's awesome. Very proactive and uh, inspi- re-inspiring to me. I'm thinking as you say that, like, okay, what am I doing right now? What am I doing tomorrow? It's going to get me out of my comfort zone. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Dream Chasers, interviews with the future. We will catch you in the next episode. Remember, in all you think, say, and do, take it to the next level.